God. Grant us the serenity. Grant us the serenity. We cannot change. The courage to change the things we can and the wisdom to know the difference. And uh, today we are on step 12, page 32 in the step guide, okay? And, uh, and that's that having had a spiritual uh, awakening as a result of those steps, we tried to carry this message to addicts and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Writing on step 12, take each word individually, write down your word, and then you uh, look up each word in, the, in a good dictionary and write down the dictionary definition of the word. And uh, you wait 24 hours and compare the two definitions and see how yours different from the dictionary. Mine differed a lot from the dictionary. Why? Because I learned the NA language, which is totally different than what's in the dictionary. Uh, I got a good understanding of the of the English language through it uh, because, uh, well, I call it the American language if you use a Web Webster. But if you use a, a random house, you're gonna get a you're gonna get uh, you know, the English language, which I use a random house is the one I use uh, more of a collegiate level uh, dictionary uh, is the one I use, and uh, it did give me a better understanding of 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 communicating with the the language itself. But uh, I think the longer you get at this here through each step, you find out that uh, you do you you end up having a better understanding in the long run. And uh, but uh, when it comes to spirituality, uh, when you look it up, words like uh, you know uh, haven't had a spiritual awakening. You know, it's a different thing when it comes to a spiritual awakening in a dictionary versus in the in the language of Narcotics Anonymous. Because uh, we're writing, uh, we look up, uh, write what you have learned about this process. I, I wrote that down. And then we get into uh, breaking down the, the following parts. Having had a spiritual awakening. And I'm talking about having to have. That's uh, having had a spiritual awakening. You know, it means we've had it already. We've had a spiritual awakening as a result. And it goes on there uh, as a result of those steps. The previous 11 and a half steps, we've had this spiritual awakening. We have had many spiritual awakenings uh, on the road to recovery. You know, and I think that's the, the important part is that we understand even the minute we start getting clean, we start having uh, a spiritual awakening. Our spirit starts to come to life is what it's talking about. Our spirit's coming to life. We start to be able to grow in a spiritual manner. We are leaving that that dear dead, what I call the walking dead, behind. We are starting to be, come to life itself. And life is something that takes on different meanings as we grow in the steps. You know, um, when we become aware of our feelings and the unmanageability that we end up in our feelings, that is the beginning of coming to understand ourselves. That is spiritual in nature in itself. Uh, learning that we are emotional human beings. As a lot of men, we like to stuff feelings. 
We don't like to deal with feelings. We don't like to talk about feelings. And that's the part they can block. up on on traps of being growing up in in by being um treated differently than uh than um than women women are expected to be emotional men aren't you know and that's why uh you got some you know they say oh women are from venus and men are from mars basically mentality but uh yeah we're caught in patterns that block us from growth. You know, as, as we go through these patterns, we we and we start to break through, we start feeling that human inside of ourselves. And that's we have to look at and welcome that instead. We welcome and we entertain that in our thoughts. And uh, you know, but it can block us from being able to uh bond with another human being. And these spiritual awakenings we're talking about is where we learn how to trust, how to trust another human being with everything. Uh, you know, but when you have had that spiritual awakening result of those steps, uh, we're talking about each step along the road. We're not talking about that major spiritual awakening as a result of all the steps accumulating. We're talking about that point of being able to understand ourselves to be able to grow, uh, you know, I remember my first time when I broke down as a man and I cried for hours upon hours upon hours and I didn't know how to handle that. That was actually a special breakthrough that I had to put trust in another human being to talk about what I was going through and uh, not judge me. I had to put trust that someone would not judge me because I was going through major issues about where my my past life was starting to come forward. Things that were buried for years were starting to unravel. And uh, I didn't run to a doctor because a doctor would look at it as a nervous breakdown and want to medicate us. And, uh, you know, the person had to understand that when I was talking to them that I wasn't insane. I thought I was insane. I thought I was having this here, this breakdown. And uh, they reassured me. And that's when I had Joseph as my sponsor. Joseph reassured me that it was going to be all right. That I was having a spiritual breakthrough in my life. And all these things that have been blocked for years, my mind was starting to bring them forward. And what was happening, we talk about the situation that happened. We talk about what led up to it what the situation was, what were the results that they were recalling from the past. And, and, I, and I'd write about that and I'd talk about that with Joseph. And uh, that was a spiritual breakthrough for me. I had to have had a spiritual breakthrough if I was going to grow. I couldn't keep this stuff blocked any longer. It dealt with my childhood. It dealt with the physical abuse I lived through. It it. it dealt with the sexual abuse and all these here issues were coming forth and I didn't know how to operate, you know, and we start to be able to go on this journey together. And, uh, you know, and then they go to the word we tried. I like to say trying is dying. However, we tried, we made the attempt. 
And that's what the word tried means, we're attempting. We are attempting. But when it says we tried, we're doing that together with another individual. I'm doing it with God. I'm doing it with a spiritual bondage of, of being bothered spiritually with another individual and with that spirit of God that I met in the rooms in Narcotics Anonymous. And, and to carry this message. See, this is the key to carry this message. What is our message? Now we got to come to an understanding of what our message is. And a lot of people, it's as simple as this here. Our message is you can find freedom from active addiction. That's the message we carry. You can also find freedom from self-bondage also in this program, though. But the first message we carry is you can find recovery. You don't have to live this way. There is hope out there for active addiction. You don't have to live in that pattern any longer. So we start, to, that bridge starts to happen, and I call it a bridge. At that moment, it's the first bridge into the traditions. It's where we are making that first real understanding of making a bridge and carrying the message. Everyone will say, but we've been doing that since we got clean. Yes. A person one day clean can hug a person, tell that person they can get their day clean. And that's in the basic text. You already have started that. The minute you hug another individual in the program, you started saying, there's hope here. I got through 24 hours. Where that person that just walked through the door is withdrawing, you can let them know there's hope. And give them a hug and welcome them home. That's our first really carrying the message when we hug another individual and let them know there's hope here and you also can make it. Just hang around. Don't use today. Don't pick up. That's the message when we first start carrying it. And, uh, you know, and then it has uh, two addicts. Who do we carry it to? It's the addict. We don't carry it to anybody else. We carry this message to addicts. And, uh, that separates uh, everything else here. We carry it to addicts. And to practice these principles, these principles we're talking about are the 12 traditions in all our affairs and everything that we do. We are carrying traditions into our life. And, uh, you know, and, and then we write about what each part means to, to, to you. Go over that with your sponsor. You go over each part with your sponsor. And uh, they go through it with you, and we get a better understanding together. And this is writing on 12-step inventory. How, ha how have the previous 11 steps led us to a spiritual awakening? This is how each step has led us to the spiritual awakening. We're talking about the previous 11 steps. We're not talking about uh, all of them accumulated, but each one. We go through that process how each step has led us to a spiritual awakening. When I found there was hope, right from the start, there was a spiritual awakening. I was just talking with someone that wants to interview me about uh, uh, history and Narcotics Anonymous. It's actually talking about two different uh, people that want to interview me now. And the one is a guy from Philadelphia. I've been clean since the early 70s. And he, and he got a hold of me and wants me interview me about Narcotics Anonymous, when I got involved, where I came from, what my understanding of is the beginning of Narcotics Anonymous in our area. And, um, you know, and I told him, yeah, I'll do that. There's no problem with that. 
and it's it's a privilege to be able to do stuff like that today. But uh, the previous eleven steps, what when I go through this here and I go through it with my sponsees, I want to know what the spiritual awakening was in the first step itself. That that we're powerless over the over addiction and it left our our lives in an unmanageable state. What was the spiritual awakening there? What what spiritually happened in my first step? And I think what happened there is the spirituality of the word hope. I got hope in my life. I got hope that those who came before me, I could follow that path they were following. I had hope that there, that I could deal with not having to have an unmanageable life anymore. That was a spiritual awakening for me. The second step when we come to believe in a greater power than ourselves that can restore us to sanity. Again, there's hope there, but it's that restoration process that it it could happen to me. I become aware that I could have a restoration. That's an important part that I, I had the awareness and I had faith. I was building faith and that there was something greater than all of us. That power had to be so great that it was greater than all of us. That the spiritual awakening was the word faith in my life. I had faith. I didn't have to live in this unmanageable state any longer. I could have a restoration. And I had to look at what I wanted to be restored to. There's nothing in my past that I wanted to be restored to. That's the insane part. Nothing that I know from the day I was born to the day I walked through the program it all had to do with addiction in one form or another. My father's addiction, living in the, the nightmare I lived into, I didn't want to be restored to that. So I had to be restored to the original state, and that's before I was born. I had to be restored to what I called in the womb. I was that I wouldn't be tainted by man. I was tainted by man. And I was tainted by my my parents. I was tainted by every the lifestyle they they introduced me into. I was tainted by all these things. I was impressed. They they put an impression on me, and I had a pattern of my life. I had to believe that I could be restored. Okay, to back before I got tainted. I had to have faith that that could happen for me. And uh, because there is no hope otherwise. See, if I don't have faith, there is no hope. They're connected. And the practice of faith is in the third step. A spiritual awakening that we came to believe, that we turned our lives and will over to the care of God. As we understood it, man, I went to those that went before me. I got their understanding of what this spiritual power was that they called God. And Joseph implanted the words, good orderly direction. So I could turn my life over to the care of good only direction in the beginning. God had not taken manifestation in my life at that moment because my old my old patterns with God were not a great experience. I didn't have great experiences. So I, I got involved in service. Service without uh, spiritual awakening, though, is just the word service. I become committed to help. And I was talking with this one guy about the literature movement last night, back and forth, uh, and how it came about, how Philadelphia area, which considered the Leah Valley and, and that whole south, uh, south central to south, southeastern PA, 
up this up the uh, north central, uh, northeastern PA and and central PA and southwestern PA were involved in this literature movement. And I start to have faith in others around me. I we would feel this power when we were in literature writing meetings, when we were actually participating in the writing of the basic facts. It bonded us. I was telling a guy a story about when I went to Milwaukee, Wisconsin in 1982, and we were at the World Convention there, and, and we stayed there the whole week, and none of us slept. And people know I don't sleep much when I'm at things. I get fired up. But this was a spiritual nature because we sat up every night at World Convention. It was three nights. We were there four days. But all three nights, we sat up all night long. And we bonded with another, each another. It was all good people that were writing the basic texts that were there. And we sat up studying the gray book, line by line, under candlelight. We go, when everything ended for the day, we go to the marathon room. And the marathon room was, we study the gray book all night to, to morning breakfast. And we bonded in this room. We would uh, talk about each line by line of the gray book. And uh, we went through that whole book within the, the, the time we were there, the first 10 chapters. We went through all 10 chapters that weekend together. And uh, we walked out of there feeling like we had touched one another's spirits. That was that, that what I was willing to turn my will and life over to the care of was that spirit we bonded in. That is a spiritual awakening that we bonded together and we knew we were doing something greater than all of us could do. We had combined our efforts. We had wrote a book and it was the first actual document a full document on recovery from addiction. And that came through all of us. People that walked into the literature conference with one day contributed. Everyone was included. So we got that feeling of inclusiveness. We got that feeling of spirituality within us. And we were able to find recovery. You know, and I was willing to turn my woman life over to the care of that spiritual power that I met in this literature process, in the writing. So I had this awakening. And uh, from having that spiritual awakening, was life was restored to me. I was no longer the walking dead. I was now a living human being in a spiritual realm. And I didn't put no name to it at this moment. I don't talk about the name of the God I come to understand through Narcotics Anonymous. However, it was a living spiritual uh, thing that took over us. And when I meet people like Jim Nichols, uh, you know, 15 years later, we were bonded from that moment that we spent that that weekend together. I also spent the weekend at the World uh, Convention in Miami in 81 with Jim and a few other people that were from Iowa that we bonded there together in a spiritual sense. That's my was my third step that we could bond spiritually. We could turn it over to that power we were meeting in the rooms of narcotics anonymous, and you could feel the presence of that spiritual power in our rooms. And we defined it as God. We defined that spiritual feeling as God, that we had met God in the rooms of narcotics anonymous through participation of trying to attempt the first attempt ever to write a book. And that book, a lot of people are studying that same book today, and it talks mostly to us. Imagine that 
from 81 when we wrote that, finalized that book to now, we're in 2023, and people are finding that same feeling by reading that book line by line in rooms. Some people do three pages, other people do a paragraph, okay? There's days I can read one line and I want to stop and go further with that book. I just want to digest that one line because it's that much of an impact. And I got to participate in the actual writing of that and the feelings of that is where my third step came from originally. And that helped me to journey on to be able to do a thorough fourth step, a moral inventory of ourselves, to be able to look at the patterns that, that have trapped me for so many years. Uh, it's fearless. The word fearless, that, that's a spiritual awakening to be fearless. They actually walk into a step fearless. To do a fearless and searching, a journey, it implies journey. So I was getting a better understanding of the words that it, what it implies. So having had that spiritual weight, the result of this step here, the fourth step, I was able to do a journey. I'm working with a couple people through the fourth step right now. And I think it's the most magical time in our recoveries when we're going through a fourth step. And these awarenesses, you can start to see the actual patterns in our lives and how they entrapped us, how they entrapped us from being able to be that totally whole free person that Jimmy Kennan talks about, totally free, totally whole as a human being. We can start to see them patterns that blocked us from being able to achieve that. That's a glimpse of spirituality. And that's what's happening in the fourth step as we're going through this. We can see how fear uh, tangled us and, and, and tied us up blocked us from growth we can start to see where it trick where the trigger points are and we can start seeing the patterns that's a spiritual awakening right there in its sense when we can believe that we can be restored and this is the process of the restoration process that we're talking about in the second step we can start seeing glimpses of that in our fourth step the actual restoration of it we're no longer trapped we're moving forward, we're breaking through, we're breaking down, we're trusting someone, we break into tears and we talk with our sponsors and our sponsors try to encourage us and get us to the point where we can see that stuff and see how long control issues have controlled our lives, how we trapped ourselves by other people's interpretation of our upbringing, okay? We can start seeing years and years of entrapment there. And we can start having faith we can break through again. That's a spiritual awakening in the fourth step. We're no longer trapped by these things. We we have a breakthrough. Uh, and that's an amazing thing for us to have and have faith that we can have that breakthrough. We're not trapped by these things. We are now finding out who we truly are. Not who we want to be, but who we truly are as a human being. That's the amazement of the fourth step. We start to see the patterns, what's happened to us. We break through the fear. We break through the angers that, that's been triggered by fear. We're breaking through the control issues where we can now let go, totally let go. It's the most amazing thing to let go of another human being and say, hey, I can't control the outcome. They need to the break through. They need their breakthrough. I can't control it. It's letting us 
we learn how to communicate together finally. We're starting to learn how to communicate as human beings. We're starting to see the glimpses of that holy human being that Jimmy talks about here. And we have a breakthrough. That's a spiritual awakening, the breakthrough itself. And then we start to be able to see our assets. That's amazing seeing assets. And this human being that's been tied up for all these years that felt so ugly inside, that felt so tainted. And I'm starting to find them. I mean, I start to be able to talk about, uh, you know, I used to love raising flowers. Boys don't talk about raising flowers. I was able to talk about raising flowers. Right now, I'm watching my daffodils bloom. And it's just an amazement watching them yellow flowers or white petals with yellow in, inside of them, you know, bursting out. And that that comes from me planting these bulbs, caring for these flowers. And I start to be able to talk about that. Something I enjoy doing is gardening. I got elderberry bushes. I still haven't learned how to take care of them right, how to get the berries without the birds eating them first. You know, and I need to learn how to take care of them better because they're a great, uh, elderberry extract is a great thing for preventing uh, sicknesses and things like that. And, but I got to learn how to care for these. I'm caring for my rose bushes right now, trimming them back, getting them ready for the, uh, for the summer bloom because they were ever-bearing roses I raised. And uh, I had roses into December this year, yellow roses, Texas, I called it, my one plant. Ended up being like a, a, a six-foot rose plant. I need to trim that one back now. Uh, you know, if I want to have the gorgeousness of them flowers in my garden. But I, able, I was able to start talking about things like this as an asset. Uh, you know, I took care of people. When I was a child, I, I took care of an old lady's garden. She paid me with irises. I had the biggest iris outside of hers. I had the second largest iris garden in, in my town. And it's because I take care of hers. She give, she would give me bulbs. And I'd had 149 different irises from around the world. The only problem with that plant, they bloom one time and they're dead. dead. So then you got to cut them back. You got to split bulbs and, and then get them ready for the next season. You know, but I learned them things by caring for another individual. So I knew I could care. I cared for the elderly as a child. Even it may have been an escape from a trapping of my life, I cared. I took care of their basement. I took care of their their uh, their furnaces. I banked their furnaces every night because it was cold back then that they were that all the houses were heated by. I'd make sure their their furnaces were banked. So in the morning I'd go take care of it, take the ashes out re-get the coal back up and running again, get their furnace running for the day. And then I go on my way and do what I had to do. If it snowed, I took care of their walkways. It was ice. Like you're talking about, Eric, with the ice, the inch thick. I'd make sure they're, I put, um, back then we didn't use salt. We used uh, ashes. So I'd save the ashes up from the stove and I'd put ashes out on their walk so they didn't slip when they went outside. You know, and I took care of that stuff for them. And then when it warmed up, I would go out and chop the ice and clear the, the payments off. That's assets about caring. So I could start finding them things in the fourth step that I was a caring individual. I had assets. That's a spiritual awakening. And then I moved on to my fifth at uh, the spiritual awakening of a fifth step. You know, you think about it. We're admitting, we are admitting to another human being 
I mean, to ourselves, another human being, and God, the exact nature of our wrongs. It's not about the things we did wrong, but what's the exact nature? Where did it stem from? And that was admitting and, and a, just that whole bonding of, with my sponsor and trust issues, trusting my sponsor with the exact nature that I'm talking to my sponsor about and the invitation of God. We're inviting God in. This is the first real time we're inviting God into this relationship that I built with my sponsor and me. It's spiritual in nature. It's 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 uh, when you sit down with your sponsor and you go over your fifth step, and uh, it's 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 really a spiritual uh, uplifting because it's total trust. You've totally trusted another individual, and you invited God in, into that relationship, and you're emitting the exact nature. That is a spiritual awakening at that moment, and you're in that third step, and you're you're bonding. And you find an actual love for another human being that you never felt before in your life. It had not to do with sex. It has not, but it's spiritually bonding together with another individual and having that total trust. And and I I talk to people all the time about having trust, having to have trust in another individual. Total trust. You're turning your will and life over, not only just to God, but to that individual and trusting with every secret of your life. And that's what happens through your fourth and your fifth step is turning that over to the care of. It's a deeper level of the third step in this process in the fifth step. It's a deeper level. It's spiritual in nature. And the sixth step, when you're coming to understand the sixth step and the sixth step, basically we were in, entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character, all these defects of character. I come to an understanding I had one defect, I had one flaw, and it was all based in fear. Everything else was a shortcoming, how I reacted to that. But that total trust in that I'm ready. I always look at it, am I ready? Anyone that ever watched uh, Lamaze or the or an Indy 500 or NASCAR? Are you, are you, if you're in the, what you call football over in Europe, soccer, we call it soccer, and you're put on the field, are you ready to play? Some as children, we weren't ready, okay? We panic when we get out there because everyone's looking at us. We are the center of attention, but are we totally ready? And I know every race driver is ready. When they line up, they're ready. And all of a sudden, they, they go to shift through the gears and the transmission blows. But they were ready. They were prepared. They were going to race that. And they all had the intention of being number one that day. Not everyone's going to be number one. Only one race driver is number one that day. But they go through the whole practice. They go through the process. But here, it doesn't matter about being number one. We're entirely ready to have God heal us. We are prepared and we need God to heal us because we realize we can't do it. We need that power that we have developed through the steps at that moment to heal us. We are prepared for healing in God's time, not mine. I've totally surrendered. 
that's where that comprehension, when we get here and we tell us we need to surrender, in the sixth step, we are entirely ready. We have surrendered. We have now surrendered to that power, totally given ourselves over and says, we need your help. We need you to walk us through it. I can't do this alone any longer. And I'm having a spiritual uh, awakening at that moment. And that's a spiritual awakening of the sixth step for me, that I understand what I'm prepared for. When in the seventh step, asking to remove our shortcoming, I am now coming to the point of being humble. I understand we've been working with humility throughout the steps so far, but I let go of my ego. I let go of everything. I'm humbly going before God and asking him to heal my shortcomings, my reactions to my defective character. I no longer can tolerate the reactions. The reactions get me into trouble. I, I no longer can walk in that there, uh, allowing shortcomings to control my life. I'm willing to let go totally. And it's spiritual in nature. I've had a spiritual awakening result of that there. I can see myself who I truly am. I can see the patterns and I no longer want to react. I'm catching myself before I react. I'm catching myself before I insult another human being as my old ways were. You know, I'm no longer acting in that manner. And I'm going before God humbly, humbly petitioning myself to God and asking God, please help me in this area. I no longer want to react. I see the patterns of what happens. I've seen them throughout my life where I ended up, and I cannot tolerate that for myself any longer. I have to let go of that human being that I've been dealing with. The eighth step, we made a list of all persons we had harmed to become willing to make amends to them all. I am able to see everybody I've harmed. I'm able to see whole communities that went on that list, but I'm able to basically be open to look at it. And I also see that I harm myself the most. I've had to forgive myself. The The act of forgiving is what this eighth step is really preparing ourselves for the actual forgiving. I've had to forgive myself to and I put myself on that list first for a reason. I've had to forgive myself for all this shit I found out about me. And I had to let go of it. I could no longer hold on to it. And it was spiritual to understand that. There. And I could write about the list that to get everyone on that I could imagine at that moment of time. And that list, I call it the, uh, the, the ongoing list, because when God makes it aware to me that I've harmed people in my past that I couldn't see before I get them on that list. And I've had that spiritual awakening. In the ninth step, when you think about we made direct amends to people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or other. We got to go over our ninth step with our sponsor. We got to understand if we're going to do more damage to someone, we got to understand that we're not going to continue that damage. And that's going to let us know if we're doing direct or indirect amends. The greatest or indirect amends I've made is changing my own behavior, being a contributor to society as a whole. As Jimmy says, that holy free person that we are now part of society as a whole. We're no longer trapped by our own personality. We have become a productive member of society. Our 
our process to become a, a productive member of society as a whole. We don't live in the NA community 24 hours around the clock, folks. I know we want to. And the indoctrination when I first got here, everything was Narcotics Anonymous. My whole life was Narcotics Anonymous. But my life has expanded now. My life has expanded. I've actually, a lot of my men's is by correcting things that I've done in society by giving back to society instead. Getting involved in youth sports, okay? I got involved in wrestling big time. That was part of my giving back. I didn't make money. Even though I charged money, I didn't make money. When I got too much money, I took the kids on a, a trip to, uh, from here to Amarillo, Texas, or out to Oklahoma, out to Iowa, or somewhere where they were going to wrestle other styles of wrestling. They were going to be able to participate together as a team. And their parents had to participate with, they had to go along on these trips with me. I helped develop, not only did I help develop the athlete, I helped develop the relationship with father, son, mother, mother, son, mother, daughter. Okay, father, daughter, whoever was wrestling, their parents had to be involved in that part of my life. I had to contribute back and, and make a positive note in society as a whole. Everything I do is about giving back in my life. And uh, that becomes spiritual. Understand that, that my ninth step was a lot of my amends were indirect amends where I had to make direct amends. God made it time like before my father died. I made direct amends to my father. I already had forgiven him though, before I made my amend. I, I didn't, I had to forgive him to be able to make the amends to him. I had to tell him exactly what I did. Um, you know, and, uh, he was able to make his amends to me before he died by calling me his son for the first time in my life that I heard the word out of his mouth that I'm his son and that he's proud of me. And he died six months later and I got to do a eulogy of a father's love for, for a son. And I'm going to do my eulogy for my mother in June before the, 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 the FSC. Uh, they're bringing her up here. We're going to bury her up here. She's in, uh, she's laying in rest in Tennessee right now, but my my sister's going to bring her up. I'm not only going to do the eulogy, but I'm going to do the pastoral stuff. I've got I'll I'll get my pastor license just for that purpose to be able to do the church stuff there for her, because that's what she asked for. That her son does that for her. She don't want a pastor who doesn't know her. She wants someone being able to do that that knows her and actually went through the process of making amends to her, binding them things together. Somewhere I went down there to spend a few days with her, to enjoy her moments of her life, and to be able to uh, make sure everything is, everything was taken care of, nothing was left undone. And my sister and her asked me if I could do this. I said, yes, I can do that for you. You know, and uh, she knew, I feel she knew that's the last time she was going to see me. And she died this winter, you know, and, uh, and my, my, my sister's taking care of everything else at the, at the corners and everything else, preparation of her body and everything. And they will be bringing her up here in, uh, in uh, June to bury her aside of her husband. So I will have an opportunity of the complete ninth step when I do these services for her.
And that's like spiritual in nature for me to be able to do these things, make that actual finalization of a ninth step and then do the finalization of the finishing of it. The finishing will happen in June. Uh, the whole life thing from abused child to be able to bury her and talks up and do the prayers and the, the church stuff that she wants done and then able to talk about her as a, as what she contributed back to her family and not have any obstacles hanging there. They've been taken care of. And uh, so I'm going to be able to talk about a spiritual nature of a human being and the impact of her life on her sister's lives when her sisters were in the group home where they were removed from their parents uh, because of my grandmother who ended up getting arrested and going to state penitentiary. She lost her children to the state. And then my, my mother used to bring her, her sisters and brothers to our house when I was a little child to give them, you know, a couple of weeks in the summertime, weekends and stuff like that throughout the year where they weren't in that state-run group home. You know, uh, so I'm going to be able to talk about that. You know, uh, we continue to take personal inventory. We were wrong, promptly admitted it. That's an awareness that we get. A spiritual awareness. I, I always tell people I don't like the second part of the 10th step. I do not like the second part. I don't like having to promptly admit I'm wrong to you. So why not catch it and not do the harm first? And that's where the spirituality comes, where I can catch myself before I actually do harm. And I then can go back and talk about it. And I can talk to my wife. A lot of times it's her that I talk with because I'm ready to react to her. And I can stop myself in the point of, and, and get back with her later and talk to her about that, what was going on with the situation. And uh, look at myself. And if I don't react, I don't have to promptly admit that when I'm wrong, but I got to talk to her about what the, the engagement was, why I stopped talking, why I had to stop the conversation, because I wasn't prepared spiritually to continue it at that moment. And so I can go back later and repair that conversation we were having. But I don't have to repair the part where I reacted and took it down another level. And that's what I'm realizing. It's just like I just spent a weekend in D.C. and with people I don't know at a big conference with 7,000 people at it that were highly motivated people wanting to make change. But I got to spend them out. And that's why I said my wife texted me and said she saw me on the TV this morning. Because I told her I was on this. I watched myself yesterday morning and I'm looking at me on the TV, engaged and talking to people just like I do with that. Hey, I don't know these people, but they have knowledge that I want. So I'm encouraged that I'm spiritually aware of, of their knowledge and I'm respecting their knowledge and I can see the spirit when they start talking about it and I am receiving. I am receiving knowledge and uh, that's the contribution of a spiritual awakening. I can see other people's spirits today and uh, that's as a result of the 10th step. The 11th step basically is we continue we continue through prayer and meditation to prove our conscious contact with God as we understood, as we understand him. That's the spirit. We understand God now. We're no longer searching. We are improving that relationship instead. 
where and it's and it doesn't say a lot of people say well i'm going to meditate but it talks with prayer first it talks about prayer how do we learn how to pray i'm going to tell you how we learn prayer is by in the room to narcotics anonymous when we first open up the meeting with a silent prayer we're silencing of the minds we're praying for those who are suffering we're praying for knowledge or we're praying for experience we're praying that we can be set free in at the end of the meeting we have a silent prayer for who it's a refl- and i always add the part reflecting on how we carry the message to the addicts and still suffers that they may not have to suffer tonight without hearing the message of hope promise of freedom so i take a look at that there what part i'm contributing to make sure our word is out there what part am I doing in the service end of making sure the word uh, freedom from active addiction is out there? You no longer got to suffer. Call us, please. And I'm prepared. I am prepared to help that addict who suffers. And that's what that silent prayer is about. And then we have our little third step prayers. We got the serenity prayer. We do certain prayers. And I and I actually listen. That listening part is the meditation part. I'm listening to what the prayer is actually saying. I'm doing inventory in my life of them prayers. I po- used to post, and I'm going to put them back up, the two different versions that I uh, wrote about the, about this. And it says, uh, you know, uh, when it basically says, you know, we, we, we're asking God, we're asking God to grant. A grant is given. There are attachments to a grant. Even if you apply for a land grant in Alaska, there's attachments. you got to take that property. you got to build a, a residence on that property. you got to maintain that property for it to be yours. Even though the state's given it to you, you still have responsibility to care for that. It's the same thing here when we're saying the prayer grant. We're asking God to grant us what? We're asking them for serenity. We're asking them for peace of mind. We're asking them to be able to understand. Grant us the serenity to, to accept what we cannot change. What can we not change as others? So we're no longer trying to change others. We're trying to be an open vessel to be able to hear others instead and be prepared to help them when they ask. What can we change? We can change our reactions to others. We can change our ability to be a better human being, to be open for the spirit of God to work through. We can be the vessel that we talk about in the literature prayer, a vessel for God to use us as his tool. See, we have prayers. And when we look at the literature prayer, it's a prayer that we use. But have we bonded with that prayer? Do we understand that prayer? Are we inclusive with that prayer? Have we become that vessel? to channel ourselves, to be a better human being, to carry this message of hope and promise of freedom. And that takes us to our 12th step, which we're going over today. And the 12th step itself is a powerful step because having had that spiritual awakening result of these steps, we come to this point and that point that we're coming to, okay, uh, you know, what is the message? Real simple. What is this message? It has become more than just being clean. It becomes, we learn to live by a spiritual way of living. We learn the process of these steps and they restored us to a total human being as Jimmy talks about. 
we are now a total human being. We are we are we are spiritual in nature. We're inclusive. We are inclusive with including people in our lives, in the service we provide. We don't do it alone. We we become teachable. We become open-minded to learn. These are all attributes of spirituality that we learned here. And uh, that message is that you can achieve what everyone else has achieved in this program. You can become totally free, not controlled by, by defect of character, not controlled by our shortcomings any longer. You can be set free from these. And these are things that it's, it, it, it's taken a more in-depth than just that you can find hope here. But what are you finding hope from? I go through the steps with each individual and this is the freedom that we what we achieve here. And we can we can work as a, a cohesive unit to know now. We're no longer alone. We can work together to carry this message throughout the world. And we're not trapped by our personalities anymore. We can surrender other people's personalities. We're not controlled by them. We don't take it personal no more. See, that's that's total freedom when we don't take another person personality that it controls our every aspect of our life. We can let go of that. We don't judge them because of their personalities. We're no longer judgmental. That is is something unbelievable where we can get to that point where we're not judging one another in this program, but we're letting go of them. We're understanding one another. We're hearing each other's voice instead. And that's what it takes to work together. It takes that bridge to work together in recovery. We're here to carry a message. And this, 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 this Jimmy talks about it's wordless language. It's spiritual in nature. We can feel the presence. Anyone ever watch when Jimmy's speaking in, in that little group setting and he's just going over the literature? You can learn more about PI by watching Jimmy when he's teaching others in the Roman Narcotics Anonymous with the little white book and its meaning of that book. And that's why we do PI together. You know, how do we carry this message? There's various ways. You're carrying the message the minute you open the door and you got the key to a facility, you're responsible to have that meeting open. You you got the literature set up. You got someone in there getting the the, the coffee made or whatever your, uh, your refreshments are for that night. And you got to welcome the committee to hug a newcomer the minute they walk through the door. You're making them feel welcome. You're making going to feel an atmosphere of recovery the minute they walk in. The minute they walk in, there should be an atmosphere in that room already. There should be no dissension in that room. There should be no personality. And if we can do that, we have achieved that that they're how we carry this message. We've achieved it by providing an atmosphere of recovery. We achieve it when we're working together and we're going into uh a setting where we're, we're taken in and we're explaining what Narcotics Anonymous is, and we're doing it by team. We don't do it alone. We're doing it by getting, including others. We're removing personalities when we carry that message. We're not judging another individual and uh, limit their ability to be involved with us to carry that message. We're no longer allowing our personality to judge somebody else. This is where the traditions come in the traditions of Narcotics Anonymous, because this is the bridge. The bridge is this step to these principles. What are these principles? And we're going to go through this here 
and I'm playing a whole session on the 12 traditions uh, to go through the uh, 12 traditions because they're just as meaningful as the step where they become a glove and they work together. We start work, they fit. They fit like this, folks. And as we do this here, we are a spiritual human beings. We're no longer locked by our personalities. We're no longer controlled by personalities. We're able to mesh together. We're able to not be judgmental when people walk in the room. We're no longer gossiping about one another. We're no, no longer caught. Do you know that? Oh, you know what this person did? I could give a damn what that person did. What were your reactions to what they did is what I'm concerned about. What part did it upset your life in? Why did you personalize it? We're going to talk about you when you talk with me. I don't want to hear about other individuals. And that's how Joseph brought me up. So I'm not tied down anymore about personalities. I'm more is how can we work together? How can we find solutions? That's where the traditions come in. And then it talks about what principles do we practice? I'm talking about them principles. I'm talking about the principles of unity, the, the principles of working together, applying these principles in our life, carrying this message to the addicts and still suffer. We become part of a group. We become part of a whole. We're no longer in competition with one another. See, that's the hardest part. We're no longer competitive. The, the, the sports game is over. We're not viewing this as a sport. We're viewing this as freedom instead. And we're able to do this here by practicing these principles. These principles are the 12 traditions that we're talking about. In this second part of the, the 12 step, we're talking about these principles. And these principles are the 12 traditions. They're, it's about our amenity. It's about what it means to be it. Uh, have anonymity, the bearing of no name, no title. We become that faceless. We become that sexless. We become that a pure spirit. We become a spiritual being. And that's the hardest thing we do to achieve. By the end result to the 12th step, we now start practicing anonymity. We start respecting that. And anonymity is not that part, uh, you know, that people say, well, you know, uh, with anonymity, you know, don't take, uh, leave what you hear here. No, you better take it with you, what you hear in the rooms. Don't leave it there. Take it with you and apply it. Don't take the personalities or the judgmental attitude with you. Let that at the door. Don't leave with that. Respect one another's anonymity when you leave the room, okay? And respect that there and be teachable, be learnable, be open to be taught in the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous is what it's talking about. That amenity Greg talks about when he goes through the 12 traditions, he starts with the 12th tradition. He doesn't start with the first. He talks about unity it comes from amenity. It comes from respecting one another. It becomes an introducing a newcomer to the rooms and say, here, these are the people that are going to help you. And don't be concerned about sponsorship because we're going to to sponsor you as a group to find that personal sponsor that you can trust. Don't be concerned about the writing of the steps at this moment. Learn what the steps are and a sponsor will guide you through the steps when you find that sponsor. Our job is to make sure you get to a meeting. Our job is to make sure if you're suffering, we pick up the phone at any time of the night. I don't care if it's three in the morning. If I'm being called, I need to pick up the phone. I can't be concerned about my beauty rest. Because I, first of all, I'm at an age that I'm not concerned about it, but it, it, 
It's like I've never been concerned about it. I, I'm, my wife said, why are you always picking up the phone? I said, because it's ringing. That's how simple it is. I had a phone in every room of the house years ago. I don't need that. Now I just got one phone that I carry with me. All right. Before I had phones everywhere with 25 foot cords. So I go from room to room to get to the next phone, pick the other phone up. And, and then I'd, I'd take that one, hang that one up and go to the next room. I could move all over my house. I could move from the, the dining room up to my bedroom. Okay. I could move from my, my kitchen down to my basement. Okay. Because I had a phone there accessible 25 foot apart. I had phones set up that way that I could go, uh, you know, from my living room, from my dining room upstairs, from my kitchen to my dining room, from my kitchen to my basement. There was another phone waiting for me. So I always had a phone in my hand. And uh, they become my lifeline. And that's part of carrying the message. That phone is a key ingredient. As these principles of unity, purpose, amenity, you know, let and go, trusting God. Uh, you know, when it says we de- that seventh tradition about uh, you know declining outside contributions, we we are proud to contribute. Contributes not just money; it's time, energy, it's working together in a unit to carry this message, the total message of NA. There is freedom, folks. That freedom. It's up for you to carry that message of hope and promise of freedom from active addiction. And my 12th step, as it talk about having had a spiritual awakening as a result of those steps, which I went through a, an overall there with each each step with spirituality, uh, we tried to carry this message to addicts. How do we carry this together? We carry it through the home group. We, we become a participating member of Narcotics Anonymous, a total participating member now. Membership has changed in our minds by now as we've gone through the steps. We have become part of the NA community, but we also become part of N as a world in, in living in the world also. We become holy, free human beings, spiritual beings. We become holy, free. And we're not trapped by these here defective character and our shortcomings any longer. We're set free from that. We were set free from obsession and compulsion to want to use. It's no longer part of our lives. We're able to deal. I mean, obsessions, they, they can manifest in other areas of our life. But I've let go of each one of them as I went along the road. I'm not controlled by uh, issues like that. I'm not controlled by my, my personality. I'm not controlled by sexual issues. I'm not controlled with gambling. I don't gamble. I've, I've given that up. People want to make a bet with me. I tell them it's real simple. I win. You take me to dinner. I lose. I take you to dinner, okay? Because we're not making bets. So we're, we're going to eat, okay? Uh, you know, uh, you know. you want to make a friendly wager on who's going to win a game or something? Hey, I'll take you to dinner if your team wins. My team wins, you take me to dinner, okay? Because we're not putting money on the game, okay? We're going to enjoy it. We'll enjoy discussions. You know, uh, we can rattle one another with the team crap. And, but guess what? When we come out of it, we're spiritual beings. And our primary purpose is what? To carry the message of hope and promise of freedom from active addiction. And that you also can achieve it. And we're here to work as a group to make sure that happens without our personalities. Controlling the group. Letting go of the group that it 
can grow on its own and realize I'm not that important. 